This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's Q&A's. I'm already mic'd up with the lav mic and got the fancy camera and shirt out for a video that's hopefully releasing tomorrow, so I figured why not just stay fancy and record the Q&A's this way. The audio might not be as good as usual, but I'll process it and it should be more than good enough for something like this. So let's jump in and see what we got. First up on Patreon, Paul Pastor wanted to chime in on what to look for in New York City if you're visiting for the first time, and they said they're personally a huge fan of Double Down Saloon on Avenue A and Lucky on Avenue B. Have a great time. I can't remember if I've been to those or not, but I've been to so many places, especially just like stop in on the side of the road when friends were there. So I, uh, I'll just go with your recommendation, and if I'm ever in the area, I'll try to pop into those as well. So thanks, Paul. Next up, Demon Koo just picked up a VGA CRT monitor, because why not? They plan on using it with a Dreamcast, but they're not sure what else to do with it. And I agree with the people who responded wholeheartedly. There's a lot you could do with it. You could just hook it up to your PC if you really wanted to and use it that way, but you could also connect GameCube and Wii via some pretty basic connectors. And you could even connect retro consoles using a scaler. And if you don't already own a scaler, building a GBS control is perfect for this because it's got VGA out anyway. And then you could just essentially take any original console that you could plug into a GBS control, add basic scan lines to it, and send it 480p, and you have yourself a really awesome solution, including with PlayStation 2. If you're a huge fan of that console, you could use the GBS control to motion adaptive deinterlace to 480p, and then also just pass through 480p for the games that support it. So it really is an awesome, awesome choice. I have a video I did a while back called Classic Consoles on VGA Monitors that I think might get you started. If you already have a scaler, you could use that. And if not, depending on what console you're using, you could use a Tink 2X, uh, you could use the GBS control, an OSSC, whatever. But I really think that it's really worth picking up one of those if you have the space for it, of course. And the last thing you could do if you own a mister is just set it to line double mode. So it's not a 480p signal, it's really just 15 kilohertz doubled. So almost every, if not every VGA CRT monitor could accept it. And if you add just basic horizontal scan lines, that's another way to just make your VGA monitor look like essentially a PVM. So there's lots of great things to do with it. I strongly recommend looking into it, but what I also really love for those are that sixth generation console, not so much the PS2 because it's predominantly 480i, but GameCube, Wii, 
um, Dreamcast. I think those are absolutely the core of an original Xbox. Sorry. Those are the core of what you could use for those because that was really the era where flat panels hadn't become mainstream yet, but 480p was starting to. So you could really take advantage of that on essentially a very high-end CRT compared to your average consumer CRT. So I'll leave the link in the description to the video I did, but congrats on a good pickup and I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. Next up, Girth305 said, if I'm ever in New Orleans, check out Snake and Jake's. Go late, stay later. I'm assuming this is chiming in on the conversation of uh, any good or fun dive bars I knew in New York City. Uh, and that one looks looks kind of like a lot of fun. So I'd only been to New Orleans once for a work trip for uh, presenting at an expo a gazillion years ago. It's a very cool city. I just didn't really have time to spend much time hanging out around there. But if I ever get back, I'll add that one to my list. Couple of questions from PS3 Inquisition. First, they had one of those cheap Dreamcast HDMI adapters lying around and the results were okay. It's totally usable, but a little blurry and dim. They were wondering if one of the Behar Brothers adapters would provide a better picture. So that's an interesting one. Uh, that's exactly what you should expect from those cheap Dreamcast adapters that you get on Amazon or AliExpress. They're generally using unshielded cables and most of the time the companies that make those just plug them in, they get a signal and they ship them and they don't actually do any troubleshooting or try to tweak it or try to get a good analog to digital conversion. So um, doing switching to a solution made by someone in the community would definitely be a better option. But I also just want to remind you of the different use cases. So if you're just going to 480p and you need HDMI, then sure, try the Behar Brothers one. I'm pretty sure uh, Stone Age Gamer has them in stock. I'll leave a link. And then but kind of consider the whole scenario. Do you already own an OSSC or uh, a Tink 5X that you could use in this particular setup? Because you mentioned this was for your Arcade 1UP conversion Dreamcast project. If you did, you might want to look into getting the uh, component video cables from Retro Gaming Cables that I reviewed a while back. Obviously more expensive, but if you already have a scaler, now you're going to get a really good quality signal and all the resolutions supported. But maybe just one of the Behar Brothers adapters would be a better solution overall. So I'll leave links to both and you can choose whichever one you want. Also, what ODE would I recommend? That one's hard because I haven't had a chance to test Fixels yet. And Fixels 3DO ODE was absolutely awesome. So I was really curious to see how it performed on the Dreamcast. So if you're in a rush, uh, the mode is certainly a solid product. And when I did that stream with Destiny years ago, we had a GDMU and a mode and just we needed to swap a game at one point, and it was so easy to use the mode. You just change the file. You don't need to reflash anything. So right now, today, I think that's what I would say, but I'm just super interested in Fixels and how it performs and what options it might have, especially the potential for leaving games on something like a retro NAS and you're just loading them over Wi-Fi with the expansion module. So um, I, hopefully I can do some kind of stream on that soon, but I, you know, I got to get one first. So we'll figure all that out. Hopefully I can follow up with Fixel and see when those are being shipped. Uh, but yeah, that's, you know, if you need one right now, look into a mode, but if you're not in a rush, just wait and see, because you never know. Maybe it's the same, maybe it's different, or maybe there's features on one that fit your setup better. Next up, 60FPS wants to continue the conversation of storage, really stemming from the should you store controllers in airtight plastic bags. And 60 said they've been storing controllers and other small electronics in small airtight plastic tubs, the sort that some brands of deli meat are sold in, and adding small amounts of death again to keep moisture from being a problem. 
I don't know what that is. Uh, I'm assuming that's like those little packets that absorb moisture that you get and stuff, like the silicon packets. Uh, somebody might want to correct me on that, though. They've also been mulling over whether they should stick oxygen absorber packets in there as well. So those are all good questions, and I don't know anything about long-term storage for stuff like this. I do know the basics. You know, you don't put them in some place super, super dry or super, super moist. Don't leave them in direct sunlight. Um, clean them if you know you're going to store them for long periods of time, because even the oils from your fingers could deteriorate stuff over a long time. But I would always love more info on this. So is there a plastic experts listening that might even want to do a podcast on this? I know that's super nerdy, but even if we only get 100 listeners to that one, I bet you there'd be 100 people that would be very excited to make sure they could store their rare and expensive plastic stuff without doing any damage to it. So that's kind of neat. Pretty cool ideas. I just wish I knew more about it. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Next up, your dad just joined as a supporter and had a bunch of really kind words to say. Thank you very much, your dad. I really appreciate you and all the other supporters. Uh, they said, maybe one day they'll catch me at a con and thank me with a cold six pack. That being said, what kind of beers are you into? Personally, porters are a hit or miss for your dad, and there's never been a lager I didn't like. But what about me? What are my preferences? Uh, or even beers that I usually hate. Uh, if I say I love IPAs, they're unsubbing. That's funny. I don't like very, very hoppy IPAs. Um, I don't think my pants are tight enough to be allowed to drink them anyway. However, I do like Sea Hag. I don't drink it very often, but that one's pretty delicious. But that's about it. I'm not a big IPA person. I do like darker beers. And my favorite for a long time has been Smittix. Um, I also really like Negro Modelo, the, the dark Modelo. And one of the other ones that I loved, uh, Martin, the person who created the 68X replacement, sent me Limfjord's Porter from Denmark. And this was delicious. So good that I actually saved the bottle, which I, I know I'm not 21 years old. I shouldn't be saving empty beer bottles, but I saved this and I saved the Iron Maiden Fear of the Dark bottle, which I got to admit, I bought it because I love Iron Maiden and I love the song Fear of the Dark and the Trooper and all the other ones that they did. Uh, however, I actually really like the beer. The Trooper's good beer too. It's not my favorite, but Fear of the Dark is excellent. So generally speaking, darker beers are, are where I go to. When I definitely don't like is artificially flavored darker beers. So all the time I'll walk into a liquor store and it'll be like a chocolate coffee raspberry stout and you sip on it and the first sip is delicious and by the third or fourth sip it's like that fake syrupy taste stuck to your tongue like the Starbucks pump flavors for coffee. I don't like those at all and they mess with my stomach all that artificial stuff which is weird because I usually have a pretty solid stomach but three or four of those and you're not happy the next morning. So 
yeah, darker beers are definitely my, my favorites. I like normal alcohol content beers. I don't generally enjoy ones that are 12% alcohol because if I'm home, I'm going to just sip on one and kind of enjoy the taste. And if I'm out with my friends, I want to have a bunch. I don't want to be drunk off of three beers or something like that. I want to hang out and have fun and, and spend some time with my friends. So while I appreciate them and I will have them on occasion, just normal alcohol content, darker beers are by far my favorites. So once again, thank you for the kind words. Always happy to talk about beer and booze and stuff like that. Uh, you know, if uh, this stuff bores you, that's one of the many reasons why I, I add the timestamps to these. But uh, good question and you know, fire away, anything you got. Renaissance 2K had a couple of really good questions. First, what causes sink curl? And that's what you'll often see on RGB monitors and some scalers where the, usually the top left of the picture is curled to the left. And I'm going to oversimplify and say that it's the way that sync is generated on certain consoles versus the way that certain displays or scalers accept that type of sync. So very often inside consoles, it's H and V sync that are combined to C sync in a way that might be a little weird, like Master System and uh, PC Engine. So sometimes just disassembling that back to H and V sync helps. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you have to go to H and V and back to C. Uh, a lot of the sync regeneration that went into the GSCART switch touches upon this. It gets really, really complicated. But one of the ways that you could cure this issue in many scenarios, but not all, is with active sync combiner and splitter solutions. So something like an Xtron RGB interface where you could put, let's say, a Dreamcast VGA signal into that and spit out RGBS that's fully compatible with a D-series BDM, but using a passive XNOR sync combiner circuit like the HD15 Discart is not going to work with a D-series BDM because the sync doesn't quite match up to what it's expecting. I'm oversimplifying. Experts are absolutely getting ready to, to punch their speakers listening to me talk about this. I'm just trying to make it so that general nerds could understand it. And a lot of it's over my head as well. It's unfortunately something I've spent a lot of time on over the years trying to, trying to help cure for people. But it's not an easy thing to solve. And there would really have to be a device designed that accepts whatever sync signals regenerates it using an FPGA and spits out whatever you would need, a completely fresh regenerated signal. And that wouldn't add any latency, although it might shift the image a few pixels to each side, but at the very least, it wouldn't be a lag thing. So I think I, there was a few people in the retro scene who talked about making one of those and it never really worked out. And I'm not sure why, uh, but I, I wish they would kind of swing back around to it. Because while they wouldn't sell many, anybody with Ikigami monitors, D or A series BVMs, or even situations like, you know, certain scalers might really solve their issues. Now, why, why that would happen with the RetroTINK 5X, I'm not sure. I've tested that with a TINK 5X and a Dreamcast and it worked fine. So there could be some settings to change. There could be something in one of the sub menus. I would check the TINK Discord because there's got to be a, plenty of people using the HD15 Discard on there. It really is. A, I mean, I'm not pimping something I had a hand in. I'm just being honest. The reason we made that product was because it solved a lot of problems. And it was based off of a glued together, hand-built thing that Steve from HD Retrovision made me. And I just figured if that glued together thing was so helpful to me, wouldn't a little tiny dongle thing be more helpful for other people? So I would definitely look into that and see. Um, next, uh, after going back and forth between SCART and Component, they've decided on just sticking with Component. And they had a bunch of community-made 
SCART cables that are all in good condition, and they were wondering what to do. If they were originally made by like a big corporation, you could throw them on eBay, throw them out if they were worn out or something, and you don't really feel bad. But what about people that are still making and selling cables? If someone if someone tries to sell their older cables on eBay at a discount, are you technically taking away a sale from a store in the retro scene? And I think that is a really good-hearted and wonderful question. My answer is going to be a little blunt and probably rude, but um, it is my honest opinion, at least now. Uh, my opinions are always changing as I learn new things, but if you purchase that product with your own money, and it still works, and it's still in good condition, and you sell it for the same or less money than the other store sells it for, then it's my very strong opinion that you've done nothing at all wrong. You're in every right to do so. Now, I will just add for people listening that if you're the type of person who says, okay, these cables usually sell out in an hour, so I'm going to order 10 of them, and they're $65 cables, I'll just get all 10 and then sell them on eBay for 125 and scalp them. Then you should kind of rethink your whole outlook on life and your morals, because I do not like that at all. I think that's pretty scumbaggy, but that is not what Renaissance 2K was talking about at all. I just kind of wanted to draw my line in the sand. And while this is only an opinion and you could always feel free to disagree with me, it's just you bought it, somebody else might be able to use it. Maybe they're not in stock right now somewhere else. So selling it for what you paid for it or less or starting an auction at a dollar and wherever it goes, it goes. You know, you should never feel guilty about that. Um, even if other people try to make you feel guilty. When I sold my analog NT Mini, I took that money to fund the Triple Bypass project. And quite a lot of people got very upset with me that I allowed the price to go that high. I didn't do I listed it for a dollar. So <laughs> it's not your problem when you do that. It's, uh, you know, if somebody wants to pay that for it, they can. So I that is just my opinions. You know, if you have any other thoughts, I'm always listening. If you're rude about the thoughts, I'm probably not going to take you as seriously. But, uh, you know, let me know what you think. Maybe I got that one wrong, but it's kind of my, at least right now, strong opinion. If you bought something with your own money, and you're selling it honestly, then you have no guilt whatsoever. But great question, and really nice of you to consider that before listing them on eBay or something. Next up, Outer Zevin is working on adding a bunch of pre-NES consoles to their setup and was wondering what the best current video mods are for the Atari 2600 Heavy Sixer and the Intellivision. Woo, yeah, you picked, uh, you picked two that I got nothing for you. Tim stopped selling the 2600 RGB and I don't know if anybody else has stepped up to make their own. You could try to find composite or S-video mods. That would be completely fine. But the RGB mod was the best. Uh, so good luck finding one of those, unfortunately. But I think if you just kind of maybe check out Atari Age and see what the, the standard S-video mods are these days, that might be a somewhat easy thing to do. Or composite, if you're going to be using it into a TV that just has composite inputs and not S-video, that's totally fine. And the Intellivision's another one where the person who was making the VOD for that stopped making it, as far as I know. And then the person who created a newer version of it that actually worked a little bit better, I have no idea what happened to that project. I had it, I resent it on to another store, a store that was going to help mass produce them, and that was like three or four years ago. Uh, so I have, I got nothing. I'm really sorry. Does anybody have any updates on either of those? If you do, please contact me some way. Or if you're in the midst of making your own or something like that, let me know. Because while I don't think either of those are going to sell thousands, I think people would really appreciate it if those were available to purchase. Two questions from the dressing gown. First, they're looking for a digital video output solution for the GameCube. 
which would definitely be the Carby. It's completely plug and play. It requires zero installation. It's based on GC video. The latest ones come with the latest firmware. It works great. I would strongly recommend it. And in fact, even if you needed other signals from that component video, VGA, you could buy that and then use HDMI converters to convert those back to analog. Or you can get crazy and you could put it into an HDMI splitter, send one to your capture card and send another to your HDMI to component converter for use on a TV or a component HDMI to VGA converter for use on a VGA monitor. That's definitely what I would recommend. I would leave a link. I'll leave a link in the description for the Carbies. Those are great. And the next question, are there any quality differences from the Dreamcast outputting VGA versus SCART, or I guess even component video? And no, as long as the cable is well built. So if you have high quality solutions that are Dreamcast to RGB SCART, Dreamcast to component video, or straight up VGA, they're all going to look identical. What you will find is cheap $8 unshielded VGA cables is going to have a lot more analog video interference on the screen. Now, as you start to zoom in and stuff like this, all analog outputting consoles are going to have analog video interference. That's not something you could ever avoid, but you usually have to zoom in really far in order to actually see those. So I would say that as long as the quality of the cable is good, they're going to be identical in video quality. Uh, so just make sure to buy from reputable resellers. I'll leave a link to the Dreamcast page that has all the cables that I recommend. Next up, Steadicam Scott is waiting for their Mr. Laggy to arrive, and they were curious what USB cable to get for it. And I don't think it matters. I just wouldn't get a charge-only cable. I would make sure that it is a fully functional USB cable, but I don't think length matters within reason. I mean, a 10-foot cable should still be fine. A 50-foot might have issues. Um, I don't think you need to worry about USB 3.2 versus just USB-C. I don't think any of that matters. I think if you just need to go from USB-A to USB-C at any reasonable length. And, you know, don't use an old frayed beat up cable. Make sure the cable looks like it's in somewhat decent condition. But I really think that's it. I think that's all you would have to worry about. So um, if I'm wrong, let me know. Buy cables from a place where you could return them. I just, I can't think of a single technical reason why it would matter. So you should be fine just using whatever you have laying around or buying a cheap one. Next up, Weaslow wanted to follow up from the discussion last week about an issue they were having connecting Mr. to a 50 and 60 hertz TV. And it looks like downloading the new INI file and resetting all the settings mostly seemed to fix it, but they think they just have a weird TV that takes some manual adjusting, which makes sense to me. Um, next question though, they're trying to play Neo Geo games on their Wii via Electron Shepard's Wii to HDMI, and their 4K TV can't seem to figure out the signal. All other virtual console titles and games work without issue, and once the Wii menu pops up, the TV recognizes it again. Any thoughts? Yeah, the Neo Geo outputs a non-standard signal, like most classic consoles did, but this is a little more non-standard than the rest, so some TVs might just be weird about it. I would look in the emulation options to see if they have anything like true 60Hz output, which might result in some screen tearing and some buffering, but it would at least work. But that's definitely an issue a lot of people have, especially with stuff like the OSSC that's essentially a line multiplier and doesn't change the signal at all. It just multiplies the resolution. So you're still selling, sending that original odd refresh rate and timings. Um, so you might kind of be stuck on this one. Um, it's not, and also my guess is that Electron Shepard's device has nothing to do with it. You could use component video cables, 
um, anything except a scaler, and then it would really be up to your TV. However, you could use a scaler between them and try to have that adjust the image. But if you already have a mister, maybe try that as well. Maybe try to set your mister to zero output options on your HDMI, plug that into your TV, zero buffer output, sorry, and see if it works. And if uh, the Neo Geo Core only works with HDMI buffering on it, then you would know that your TV is just probably not compatible with the raw Neo Geo signal by itself without some kind of buffering. Next up, MTTMCC said a year or so ago, they asked whether I was aware of any premium shells for consoleized MVS systems, specifically for the OpenMVS. They think I mentioned then there might be a few things in the works, but nothing I called out specifically. Anything on my radar now? No, all those projects that I knew about stalled. Um, there were some out there. There was an Indiegogo or a Kickstarter that kind of was released and then wasn't. And I think they tried to sell directly again, but I don't know what ever happened to that. And I think they required you to use their full kit, which might not have had as quality of a video output signal as the OpenMVS. So I don't know for sure, but I've heard nothing about any of that. So does anybody know, are there any really cool consoleized MVS shells that are new that are out there, especially ones that look like the original console? Um, funny enough, I loved the look of the analog Neo Geo, but anybody that's ever seen one of those opened, it was embarrassing. It was just a wad of glue and mess of snake's nest of cables. Just, it was, it was embarrassing that they charged that much for it, but the case was beautiful. I'd love to see something more like that. So there is one other person that might be able to do it, but I think they ran into some issues at their shop. But as far as I know, all of those projects are stalled. So somebody keep me updated if you know of anything else. I'd love to know about them, but I don't think there's going to be anything, you know, basically anything in the short term that's released. Unless I'm missing something. I hope I am. If so, let me know. Next up, Kirk said they're looking at getting a Retro Castle Mr. Case with the Saturn output, and they were wondering how they should connect it to their VGA monitor. Is there a mini DIN to VGA connector that I'm aware of? So the Retro Castle Mr. Cases are my favorites, and they come in generally two types with different colors, but you could either use the standard D-Sub VGA style output or a Sega Saturn mini DIN output. And depending on your use case, you would, you know, I think most scenarios would be pretty easy to decide which one's best for you. You know, you component video, you could use just a D-Sub to a component breakout adapter for that VGA video. If you're going to SCART, but you already have some kind of SCART cable solution for that, then that's great. But going to, if you're using the Saturn DIN, that is what makes it really easy to get S-Video, Composite, and RGB SCART. But this is the one issue you run into. And while there is a couple or are a couple of things you could do for component video, VGA would be a little trickier with that one. Uh, what you might want to consider is, can you just use the HDMI output? Because then you can get one of those cheap $8 HDMI to VGA DACs that Kuro uh, figured out were actually good quality. And you could use one of those. That would be totally fine. And in fact, you could even send one out to a VGA CRT monitor and the other out to just regular RGB SCART or, component, or, or composite or S-video. But if you were looking on doing that anyway with an HDMI monitor, that would kind of defeat the purpose. So... I'll leave a link to the DAC that Kuro tested that turned out to be good in case that's a good solution, but I think you're going to have to choose which version is best based on your needs. Next up, Shmubby said a friend of theirs wants to output 240p composite video from their modern Windows desktop. And composite video is where this is going to get tricky. I'll give a very quick rundown, but this is a really in-depth, detailed, nerdy explanation here, so I'll try to stick to the basics. 
Basically, getting 240p component video or RGB SCART is fairly easy these days. I guess D-sub connectors if you want to do RGB HV as well, because you could do uh, use devices like GBS Control, the Tink 5X, the OSSC Pro. A lot of those have good quality and fast downscaling built right in, but you would need to then convert the output of that signal down to composite video, which is the issue. So let's just say you decided, yeah, I'm really serious about this. I want to do it. Uh, and I'll pick up a GBS control. It's, it's the cheapest one of those options. So then you would need an HDMI to VGA converter from your PC. You would need to set that output to 640 by 480. And you would need to send that to the GBS control. Then you would take that GBS controls VGA output, uh, set that to 240p. And then you could decide what to do there. Are you going to go for SCART? So you could just use an HD15 to SCART. Do you need component video? So you could use a Tink transcoder. And that would work. However, getting it to composite is the problem. Right now, there's a bunch of RGB or component to S-video adapters that work great. Going to composite adds a ton of color noise to it. There's actually a new device that should be coming out or should be en route to me actually, that solves this pretty nicely. So it would be the first composite solution that would work, but this is a lot of adapters in between. And even then that adapter is not out now. So what you could try for the short term is an HDMI to composite converter. It's gonna be a couple frames of lag. It's probably gonna be 480i, not 240p, but you drop like 30 bucks on it and you can give it a try and see. It's not going to be the best for gaming, but it's certainly worth just testing out. And you're talking about two devices, not, you know, six, if you really want to dig into it. So that's where I would start for today. Kind of figure out where you go from there and let me know how serious your friend is about doing this. If they're dead set on doing it, it might be easier to find a different type of display uh, or even just a CRT with component video input. You could still send it to 40p, but... Let me know where you're at with all of this. The one thing you could do, if you could find it, is you could try to find an Extron Super Emotia, which are more expensive than a Tink 5X, so I don't know if I would ever recommend this, but if you did that, you could go from your computer HDMI to VGA, just set it to 640 by 480, and that device, the Super Emotia, will be able to output composite video that's not bad, at about a frame of latency. So if you could find one that's compatible, cool, but there's not a very likely chance that you'd be able to. So uh, I'll leave the emotion page, which is way outdated. I needed to completely delete and redo that page years ago, but it'll at least have the info on the super emotion for you. But I, I think this is gonna be more complicated than your friends probably into. So you might wanna use one of the cheap 480i downscalers and I'll link to that in the post I did on that as well. Well, that's it for this time. If you're new to these Q&As, ask any question you would like wherever it is that you support in the latest Q&A post. The way these services work, I can't really figure out what's a new question on an older post. Plus, as you saw today, I really like just scrolling through these and answering in real time as if we were all hanging out together somewhere. So any question, fire away wherever you support. And if I miss your question, it's always because a question came in after I was done recording. I've never deleted a question on these or anything like that. So uh, if there's any mistakes, my apologies, just re-ask for next week. But as always, thanks to everybody who participates in these. And of course, thanks to everybody who supports because it is really you who's keeping all this going. So thank you all so much and I'll see you next week.